Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. We were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my hosts as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Elizabeth Dutton. Zaren Burnett. Do you know what's ridiculous? Oh my God, I do. I do. Wait, wait. I, I, I had one for you. You, you go first. No. Uh, okay, I go first. Did you know that Kraft Macaroni and Cheese oh, Lord. makes Kraft Macaroni and Cheese gummies? Like actual, like, edible gummies? Like gummies. Yeah, like yeah. weed candies? No, there's no there's no funky stuff in it. Um, so then they're not gummies. What do you gummies. think it tastes like? They're like, well, they're, they're like gummy, gummy bears, gummy worms, that kind of gummies? Right. Okay. Let, me, let me read you the product description. Yeah, lay it on me. The iconic Kraft Macaroni and Cheese, now in gummy form. Enjoy the fruit-flavored macaroni-shaped gummy mac and cheese as a sweet treat or as a fun gift for birthday parties, favors, road trips, backyard barbecue, or just a great-tasting candy. (laughs) Delight your family and friends and serve them a bowl of gummy macaroni and cheese, no fork required. Each box includes 5.62 ounces of delicious candy, and then it comes in a three-pack. You can get them on Amazon. There's an argument in the Amazon reviews about what the actual flavor is. It's not 25 cheese? bucks for three boxes. No, it's like something fruity. So here's one. Wait, um, wait a minute. Wait a review. minute. I missed this. The, the, the macaroni and cheese gummies are <laughs> It looks flavored. like macaroni and cheese. It looks like orange macaroni and cheese, but it's t- flavored like some sort of fruit. What? So okay. <laughs> one review, which is by someone named In, In- Seas. It looks like Incestor, but it's Inster. Anyway, okay. <laughs> um, they said... All Most of the reviews, by the way, are people who got it for free, so take that for what it's worth. Um, these are fairly tasty, but the fun really is in the mac and cheese packaging. The actual gummies don't really resemble the Kraft mac and cheese noodles, but have a larger, more classic elbow macaroni shape. As for the flavor, it's, quote, kind of good, according to my eight-year-old, a nondescript fruity flavor, kind of mango-y orange. Mango-y orange? It tastes yeah. kind of like fruit. There's a great one-star review. This package is sealed, and there's an insect wing in it. Not cool. <laughs> <Before> <laughs> and then you got there's to someone the... who goes... Go ahead. 
No, there's someone who goes on and on about all the artificial um, ingredients in it. Yes, but New Jersey like, strikes again. What have they done? My friends, this is, look at the actual box of macaroni. Hey, and you cheese. leave my craft macaroni and cheese out. That got us through the yeah. wars. Well, there's it contains titanium dioxide, a controversial metal that can potentially cause toxicity. So yeah, that's in a uh, white paint. Also, if you're vegan, it contains gelatin. So sorry, pals. <laughs> None so anyway. For you. <laughs> All right. Well, they're they're losing out, really. I think that's the. Uh, so I would classify this as ridiculous. I would say we can both agree on that one, and Thank I want to hear no more of it. You're welcome. Jeez. Okay. Well, I got something for you. If you got a second, I do. You in the mood for something ridiculous? Always. Have I got a story for you? Oh, my God. Okay. 100 years ago, in Sing Sing Prison in New York, a group of prison surgeons removed the testicles of an incarcerated man who'd been electrocuted in the electric chair. Right? Uh, okay. Okay. Uh -huh. Now, Elizabeth. I'm with you on this. You may oh, be wondering, uh -huh. Zarin, I don't get it, though. Why would a group of prison surgeons harvest an executed man's family jewels? Elizabeth, you're lucky. I have the answer. Prison surgeons planned to transplant the executed man's gonads into the scrotum of a detective named Greg Hauser, who happened to also be a prisoner in Sing Sing. Now, that Wait, there's was a detective. Well, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, no, no. There's a detective who is a prisoner. So we have a dirty cop. A dirty cop. And he gets balls put into his sack thanks to the prison surgeons. And okay. the reason why they did this in Sing Sing is the surgeons, this was their way to get around medical oversight and everything. They would say, hey, guys, you cannot go tuck and purloin nuts into another man's sack. But they said, we all, can do this. All bets off in prison. Well, it was like there wasn't really anyone around to stop them, I think is kind of the idea. Now, Elizabeth, you may be wondering, <laughs> Zarin, why would this group of mad prison doctors transplant the testicles of one man into the scrotum of another man? I mean, like, what gives? Were they smuggling nuts? Great question, Elizabeth. That's a great question. I'm so glad I asked that question. <laughs> and I'll let you know they were not smuggling balls. So what were they just bored? What were they doing exactly? Well, Elizabeth, you may not know this because you're not a doctor, but men's crotches are very important to science. Like very, mm. very important. And it's the same right. reason why there's like 37 pills to give you a stiffer erection, but we don't really have a good pill for like this the you know treatment of PMS. It's because mm -hmm. men's crotches is where the money is. Now <laughs> Science is very focused on the crotches of men because, like car makers and sex workers before them, they have learned that men will pay a lot to feel virile. It really is mm -hmm. like a, a way to get those checks <laughs> signed, right? Now, you know, simply put, I can just say just, you know, in one glancing phrase, balls are big business, right? Now, yeah. the story I want to tell you today focuses on this fact of commerce. It's the tale of the great testicle thieves of 1920s Chicago. I'm so terrified right now. I know. This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's Always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. Elizabeth. Zarin. You don't have any testicles. Not that you know of. <laughs> no, not that I know of. None that you've ever told me or shown me. I have jars and jars in the basement. But I no, want you I to... do not have any testicles. You know, well, other than your testicle collection, you know, like mm -hmm. I, I want you to... Do it be a favor. I want you to try to empathize with some of the guys in today's story. So I need you to imagine you have no. your own ball sack. 
No. What do you mean no? Okay, I'll pretend. Okay, now this is the most... I have no empathy today. <laughs> this is the yeah, most sensitive part of your body other than your brain, and it's hanging there between your legs. You have mm-hmm. to protect that. Right? Those are your... If you have to protect it, why Why do they have to... Why do men have to put their legs so far apart when they sit, like, on public transportation? Airing out. All right. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> so now that you have your own ball sack and you're imagining, you know, your family jewels hanging from your your uh, body. I, as I tell you this shocking horror story from a century ago, I want you to kind of skip past the whole Dr. Frankenstein meets Jack the Ripper part. And we're going to focus mm-hmm. on the citizens of the Windy City and what this is doing to them. There was a mad doctor snipping the sacks of Chicago's young men. Like, what do you do with that news? Elizabeth? I don't know. I don't know what I do. You, I you don't go to Chicago. Side. I want you to be thinking about I this. I stay These, out of Chicago. Well, the windy the wind, or and I stay out of jail. I guess. <laughs> well, the windy sing, city sing. was wild in 1922 because yeah, oh yeah, there was a headline, and I'm not talking Al Capone. I'm talking. Well, I'll just read you the headline. October 15th, 1922. This headline breaks, and it goes across the nation's headlines or the nation's newspapers because it was part of the wire service. The headline, and I quote, Chicago physicians discover unique crime and first known human gland theft in history. Now, we know which human gland we're talking about. This Mm -hmm. testicle nabbing was the first ever recorded gland piracy. And the victim was this uh, former beet farmer named Joseph Wozniak. Wait, a beet farmer? Yes, Joseph Wozniak. Like Dwight Schrute? Former beet farmer, yes. So yes. you can picture Dwight Schrute if that helps you. So, well, and I also know how much you love beets. Oh, my so God, this is, yeah. this adds extra to it. <laughs> exactly, my favorite of the <laughs> root vegetables. Now, Wozniak at the time was 34 years old. He was married, and he was newly moved to Chicago. He left beet farming behind and went to the big city. Now, he comes under attack and he has no memory of the theft of, theft of his balls. Wozniak tells the Chicago police when they come to investigate, quote, When it came through, my mind was befuddled. I didn't know I'd been operated on. I thought I had a hangover. I had the taste of a ether or a chloroform in my mouth. I felt intense pain, and when I got home, I called Dr. Sampolinsky. Now, um. <laughs> Elizabeth, can you yes. imagine that? If, you, if someone comes along, you're, they gas you, they reach in, and they just take your balls. Like, what do you even do with that? I don't. So he had they, and they didn't like give him a placeholder. They didn't stick some ping pong balls in there or anything. <laughs> no, they didn't give him any new. So he's any just nudicles. running flat downstairs. Yeah, he's running flat. <laughs> he, he's got a sagging uh, section now. Oh wow! Well, you know, I there are so many issues in terms of the hygiene of the operation and the oh the yeah. scarring. Yeah, this and, happened on like in a doorway. Yeah. So, I mean, did he have a lot of blood loss? I mean, he woke up and I guess had his wits about him to go get help. But still. No, he did not, actually. He woke up and there was a person standing over him and he'd been gassed. So he was coming in and out of consciousness. So when the person couldn't fully rouse him, they took him to the hospital. So when he comes around, he's in the ER and he's like, wait, what's going oh on? God. Yeah. That's terrifying. Yes. There was a, another uh, story from this time. The headline, Wisconsin beet field laborer is victim of gland theft in Chicago, right? Now, they're just focusing on gland theft. It becomes the term. Was it, right? wait, it was the same guy. It wasn't like they were hitting all the beet farmers. No, no. Beet farmers were not the marks for the testicle thieves. <laughs> the story. They're like, I see, I see a, a victimology. Yeah, those big strapping beet farmers. You need to get yourself one of them. Now, uh, you, know what, how, you know what you call it when the beet farmers, when they go to like ship everything? Hmm. Um, off the farm to the stores, like the they harvest? put them in those big crates, and you know what that's called? Beatboxing. <laughs> You're welcome. 
<laughs> I cannot believe you just went with that. I know. It took a long setup, too, but <laughs> yeah, it was really worth it. Did. It was worth it, baby, and I'd do it again. Well, since you were wondering about our man, Joseph Wozniak. Sure. He had told Dr. Uh, Sampolinsky that... Uh, and I quote, he was chloroformed. He said when he regained consciousness, he found himself on a sidewalk under a viaduct. The operation had been performed with expert skill. It was believed by the police that some wealthy and perhaps aged man benefited by the criminal action. Oh. Yes. Now, so it's just like nut harvesting. They're looking yes. for strapping men. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, you're catching up. Now, the mm-hmm. cops are, as you might imagine, flummoxed by all this because they're not as quick as you are. They're like, why are they doing well, this? Very few people are. Yeah. Oh, I, know, I know, right? <laughs> no, the, the Irish cops, you know, the good Irish cops of Chicago, they were, they were telling our, our boy, you know, Joe, they're like, now look, Joey boy, we're all terribly sorry about your stolen baby makers. I got me men all around town looking high and low for your missing stones. So just so you know, we're checking every dumpster, looking over every abandoned car for your balls, me boy. Now, that had to make <laughs> him feel good, right? You know, was cops, that a quote from the paper? <laughs> no, that was an ad-libbed quote of my own. That was a, <laughs> a fictionalization. <laughs> I liked it. It was good. Yeah, that was, a, that was to give you a sense of the time. I felt like I was there. Now, I do have a quote for you if you like one of those. The Lieutenant John Coughlin, one of my good Irish cops from Chicago, mm-hmm. Johnny Boy, he tells the uh, Chicago press, that they're, you know, obviously the Chicago press is all over the story. I mean, national is, but because they're the locals, they're trying to get these stories and break them for the wire service. So mm-hmm. everybody's attending all of these press conferences, and John Coughlin's got to go out there, and, the, and he's getting battered by the press. And so they're asking him about these testicle thieves, and he goes, all right, We may be confronted with the same situation that faced the authorities in China 2,000 years ago. The Chinese at the time had learned to graft the thyroid gland in a rejuvenation operation, and no healthy young man was safe on the streets. So that's where he goes. Apparently, the Chicago lieutenant spent a good deal of time thinking about Chinese nutsacks because he immediately had a surefire theory ready-made as soon as he was asked. He's like, this is a copycat ball snatching. Hmm? He said they were taking thyroids in China? Well, they were. They learned to graft the thyroid gland. And since this was a gland, he just figured they must be grafting glands. Hmm. You don't go with this? This is a solid police theory, Elizabeth. <laughs> I am really suspicious at this at that time or, you know, any time when they're like, you know what, what I think it is? The Chinese. It's ancient Chinese magic. That's what this is. Uh-huh. Ancient Chinese. Yeah. So the Chicago PD, you know, they are tasked with preventing this rise of gland pirates. Now, you've been recently gifted with a sack of your own. What would you expect them to do to protect you? I don't know. Well, I mean, I okay. So we have this rash. Are they gentlemen who've been out drinking and this carousing? is what Joe Wozniak's wife came up with as her theory. She was like, "My boy Joey's out getting drunk," which was true. He had tied one on, mm-hmm. and she said, "Well, I think maybe he sold his nuts to an eager buyer." And his wife was like, <laughs> "She tells the press this." It's like, "Hey, thanks, honey," but she says to the press, she theorizes that her out of work beat farmer husband may have sold his nuts for extra cash. And now Wozniak, he's like. I don't know what my wife's talking about. He vigorously denies everything she says. And he's like, not as long as, long as I have fingers to chop off, I'm not going to my scrotum first. And they're like, that's, that's I, not a yeah. real quote. But <laughs> I, I mean, I don't have, part. I have, I have uh, imaginary testicles for this show, yes, uh-huh. but, and I'm trying to put myself in that position. I, I appreciate cannot that. imagine any man being like, you know what? I need a little cash. Let's just cut them off. Yeah. First thing I'm coming up with, I can't, I can't no. dig a ditch. So I'm just going to, you know, no. 
I think men would be more likely to try and sell someone else's nuts than their own exactly. nuts, right? <laughs> no. Okay, so there you go. As I told you, this has been a national news story because as soon as people hear gland piracy, testicle thieves, everybody wants to read about it. So now... Down in Texahoma, Texas, they have an editorial published on October 27th, 1922, about, this is about uh, two weeks after the initial news breaks. And they're like, and I quote, Gland piracy is the latest and most ungodly of all nefarious practices this nation has ever produced. Now, in very, you know, traditional <laughs> Texahoma, Texas Times editorial fashion, uh-huh. <laughs> taking Vladimir Lenin's advice, they decided keen for all to focus on who benefited from this crime. And I quote yes. Elizabeth, medical science has demonstrated that youthful vigor may be restored to the old man by grafting of the manhood gland of a young and robust person where there are senile and daughtering old fossils of wealth who crave to become young bucks again there will always be found unscrupulous surgeons and gland pirates willing to serve them for a share of that wealth. Now the manhood of our young men must be protected at all hazards and at all costs. Oh, thank you, Texas. Okay, <laughs> that was beautiful. So these are transplants we're talking about. What do you mean? They're the medical transplants. Stealing... Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you stick. Okay. You sticking with me? <laughs> I'm trying so hard. Okay. So back in Chicago, the crime wave is just getting going, right? And dark rumors start swirling around the glass and steel caverns of the Windy City. The people are a panicked, right? They're whispering unholy things, talking about what the gland pirates are doing, these midnight ball snatchers. College-age men, they are terrified to go out at night, Elizabeth. They would only travel in groups to feel that way they could feel safe, right? They're guarding mm-hmm. their futures and their scared little fists, right? Now, the <laughs> Chicago medical community quickly grows outraged that that one among them is rumored to be doing this. One of their number would dare to perform such immoral, unethical, and medically unsound surgeries, as they might say down in Texas. Now, to do this in the name of medical advances is an affront to all of them. So some doctors step forward, and they swear to the terrified citizens of Chicago that they would help find this mad doctor who was out snatching cojones. And the Buffalo Morning Express story uh, that I will note, it said, and I quote, the medical profession of the entire city has united hunt out the surgeon who operated on Wozniak and will drive him from the city if found. So people are rallying to protect these boys, you know, futures. Now, as mm-hmm. I told you, sure. there's a lot of money to be made, and now we're getting a whole city fired up. Yeah. Does it make your uh, your, your metaphorical <laughs> sack feel a little more protected that so many people are worried no. about? No. Okay. Well, no, after this because... little break, Elizabeth, okay. I will be back <laughs> to tell you about how this story gets even more unhinged. I can't wait. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? (laughs) Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield 
a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Now, Elizabeth, last we left our story, I had you imagining white lab-coated doctors roaming the streets as a vigilante squad trying to hunt out the mad doctor who was snipping testicles. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you that Unfortunately, the doctors were not successful. Theories then had to abound in the city. If the doctors can't find this guy, who will save us from the midnight nut snatchers? Now, according to contemporaneous reporting from the Beckham County Democrat of Eric, Oklahoma, the Chicago police were left working with two primary theories. Their thought was, and I quote, the operations had been performed through revenge. So they thought maybe this was a, a personal issue, oh. right? Now, the second theory was, and I quote, the life-giving glands had been taken by some physician to rejuvenate the waning vitality of some aged wealthy man. Now, this right, is the one right, we keep right. talking about. Now, the revenge theory, that's an easiest enough angle to dismiss because once it happens and it happens and it happens, it keeps happening. We have more and more victims. Obviously, this person has not been wronged by so many people that they're going out just snatching nuts to get back at the city of Chicago. So, Or or they're trying to, like, build a choir. It's just all castrati. <laughs> just some mad Catholic out there. Just big strapping castrati. <laughs> the, the most popular theory was that this Dr. Frankenstein cutting-edge science experiments were being performed formed by somebody who was working for the Peter Thiel of the 1920s, right? So this is like yeah, medical avant-garde exactly stuff. I think. Some rich guys go on, oh, give me the nuts, right? Mm-hmm. But Elizabeth, He's like drinking the juice of them. <laughs> He's juicing them. You had to go Juicing there. the nuts, Aaron. He's <laughs> juicing Squeeze them. my lemon till the juice runs down my leg. Exactly. Elizabeth. And then he takes a little tipple out of the shot glass. Bitter. <laughs> mm-hmm. And no. then he's like in a Mr. Burns, like, now I can lift two oranges. <laughs> <laughs> I am so virile. <laughs> Elizabeth, we've, we've gotten to the central question, which is, how would balls rejuvenate the vitality of some rich old man? 
Well, I just told you. Juice. Juice and them. Ball juice. Well, it's... Uh, he just likes... He just... They use them like hard candies. How so? Just, you know, suck on them all day. <laughs> Walking around. Just tuck a nut underneath your cheek and yeah, jump. Yeah, it's like, you know, like in the olden times. And they're like, oh, would you like a sugared plum? And then a little Victorian voice. Oh, delightful. And then I'm just going to savor this. Would you like well, that's a, like, you would know, you like you a honey to nut? Yeah, this old dude has just got another guy's nut in his mouth all day, <laughs> sucking on it. Those, you know, like chaw. Sadly, why don't look at me like sadly that? Sadly, that was not the case. It didn't actually. Well, because they were not used they like were not, candy not or chaw. <laughs> but there was, and I know you'll be proud of this as a French woman or a woman of French <laughs> derivation. There was yes. a French man behind all of this. <laughs> of course, and his was. name was Charles Edouard Brown Secard. Now, he was essentially the man responsible for all this ball-snatching crime in Chicago in the 20s. But he had been dead for two decades before it started. So he was not technically (laughs) directly (laughs) responsible. So he's like a zombie going around. This just gets crazier and crazier. Must have balls. Delicious (laughs) balls. No. Charles Edward Brown Sickard, he was a French physiologist, and he was motivated by the radical belief that he had that, and I quote, semen is the key to eternal youth. Semen. Mm-hmm. He was, and I don't mean like sailors, I mean semen. He believed <laughs> that how much sperm a man had in his body determined how old he felt. The more sperm, okay. the younger the man, right? So, what was okay. his answer? Well, I just need to put Load the, him up. more sperm into the man's nutsatchel and oh, bon voila. So, that was his idea. And Elizabeth, if you're a doctor who's convinced that inserting semen into your balls will restore your youth, and you're also Which I am. a man, what do you Which think I, yeah, old sure. Brown, Dr. Brown Secard did next? He goes, what does he go out and uh, experiments? He did whatever right? any other lunatic in his position would do. <laughs> he started to inject himself with the semen. He mixed up a cocktail of semen and blood and a, quote, juice extracted from the testicles of dogs and guinea pigs. So there's your ball juice you wanted. Okay, so he's got dog ball juice. Uh Uh-huh. Blood and semen. Is it dog semen? Uh, No, juice. I don't know what that is. Au jus. I don't know. Well, where's he getting the semen? Squeezing them. Is he taking donations (laughs) from the neighborhood? I don't know. Maybe his own. He's just putting it back. And whose blood? His own blood? Once again, the defects they are. In this, like, disgusting slurry. (laughs) And then what? He's injecting it into himself? Then he ties off and he mainlines his Dr. Frankenstein nutsack mix right into his sack like testicle-based heroin. Bon voila. (laughs) <laughs> he, t- he ties off and then they find him slumped in a bathroom of a bar. No, apparently, like, then after he started to experiment on himself, Dr. Brown Secard, he would tell anybody who would ask him, I am so rejuvenated, ask me how. Oh, God. <laughs> so he would let everyone know that the hot cream injection he had given himself was apparently <laughs> enough that he could now work longer, he could focus more, and he had more general energy and vigor. So, and also, by the way, at the time, he was 73 years old. So that's when he was jabbing. So and dementia had set in. <laughs> and being a good scientist that he was, Dr. Brown Sicard, he publishes his results in the British medical journal Lancet, which is like one of oh the biggest God. in the world, right? Now, the editors at the journal, they, they get the paper and they're like, oh, look at that, Sir Winston. <laughs> they're like, oh, and then they vomit. <laughs> <laughs> look at that, the sir. paper goes like this. It's like. It's just a list. Like, in step one, get yourself a dog. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, God, I don't want to read anything further. Step two, get a vial. No, no, no. Stay with me on this. <laughs> Do you have gloves? You're going to need gloves. Take them out to dinner. Bring some like, bacon. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> Take them out to dinner. 
So Dr. Uh, Brown Sicard's paper, it gets published in The Lancet, and then all of a sudden this legitimizes his whole ball-based medicine. And a bunch of other people think injecting semen into a man's balls is clearly the fountain of youth. It's in The Lancet. So we get a bunch of quacks on either side of the Atlantic to start imitating him, and they they go nuts for it. (laughs) Pardon the expression. Now, (laughs) there was this one dude, a Russian doctor named Serge Voronov. Now, Voronov, when he wasn't working in some basement laboratory in a Siberian castle, he was normally the lab director of the College de France. So he's an international scientist. He's not some kook in the distance. Now, Mm -hmm. like many other men with science degrees, Serge Voronov was very interested in this alleged fountain of youth of male restoration. He could, you know, he's like, oh, I too would like to turn back time. So Mm -hmm. instead of like going with dog and guinea uh, pig ball juice and semen mix, Serge Voronov. That's right, because the Frenchman used guinea pig juice. Guinea pigs, yeah, and balls of dog, ball juice, yeah. So Voronov. And then it's like his voice goes way high. (laughs) Because he's full of guinea pigs. Anyway, go ahead, sir. He decides, <laughs> you know, my secret is going to be closer to man. I'm going to go with chimpanzee balls. So. Well, it is, you know, he's getting closer. Yeah. Now, Elizabeth, you're probably wondering, but Zarin, if a chimp's testicles work well, what about just using a man's balls? Great question, right? Elizabeth. Right. So in 1914, University of Illinois physician, Dr. Frank Lidston, he took your thinking and he ran with it. And he was like, I'm taking the I'm taking this whole testicular rejuvenation science to a whole nother level. Watch this, son. Now, he wasn't satisfied with dogs, guinea pig, balls, chimpanzee nuts. He went on and he moved on to the most dangerous game, man himself. And he grabbed himself Beefy men. some nuts and he harvested the balls of a dead man. Then he sliced open his own sack, bloop, bloop, dropped <laughs> them in there, sewed it back up, and then... Uh, Boom. He, Wait, did he take his own out or was no, he no, running just quads add, he's downstairs? Add them some more in there. Just drop in so some more. So he's like a dually. Yeah, he's, he's like one of those exactly. He's like one of those trucks with matronly hips. <laughs> he's, got, he's got truck nuts, but literally just in there. <laughs> now he reports, obviously, because he's a scientist, he reports on the results of his experiment on himself. And then other people were like, oh. I'm doing this. Between Lidston and Voronov. Oh man, I've got to get on this. So Let's get back to Chicago, 1922. You ready? Yes. Okay. Let's get to the dark star of our story. The Chicago preeminent gland piracy transplant specialist, Dr. V.D. Lespance. Now, that was his name, Dr. V.D. Lespance. It was uh, Victor Darwin Lespance. Now, starting uh-huh. in 1911, Dr. V.D., he developed his own techniques for adding a couple extra nuts to a man's sack. In 1913, he bragged that one of his testicle implant operations was so successful that the patient almost immediately afterwards popped a chubby and insisted he be allowed to go check out of the hospital and road test his new plumbing. So yeah. there are all these men are like waddling around like chipmunks, <laughs> just cheeks full down, down there. Yes. Men are They're ridiculous like, hey, look, creatures. Four is good, eight's better. Exactly. Got like, like, is that why they invented like hammer pants? They got like grape grape clusters just of nuts in the <laughs> So So Dr. VD is Le Pounce, he's in Chicago operating, and so he becomes obviously a chief suspect in this testicle thievery that's going on. Sure. So the Chicago PD found there was this one particularly strange coincidence. Often in the days just before Dr. LePance performed one of his media publicized testicle rejuvenation therapies, a young man of Chicago would be attacked drugs and his balls would be harvested. It was like, wait <laughs> a, a minute. We just looked back at the newspapers. There's like a two-day gap and boom. So the new Chicago PD is like, okay, I think we uh, were ready to roll on this one. 
And then, oh, what happens? A second high-profile victim of ball nabbing comes forward. We have our next victim, Harry Johnson. I swear Get to God, his name is out. Harry Johnson. Stop it. <laughs> Harry Johnson was an, ele- Zarin Burnett. He was an electrician. Zarin Burnett, you stop. He lived with his sister in Chicago. And Harry Johnson and his sister, they were a good family, and they were just trying to get by in 1920s Chicago. And like Wozniak, the beat farmer Johnson was also in his early 30s, a big strapping fellow, and he also had no memory of his ball harvesting surgery. It's early rude dude. Yeah, he'd been on a day-long bender, rude dude style, and he thought he had passed out on his way home, and he'd just like wake up and then, you know, tuck onto the trolley and make at home, but instead he wakes up, he's on a streetcar, but he's then all of a sudden he's in a doorway, and then all of a sudden there's a passerby standing over him, and the passerby is like, Oh, we gotta get you to a hospital. So he goes to he's a like hospital. Blood blooming on his trousers. Pretty much, yeah. It's like a big like Rorschach test in his in his Yikes. crotch. Yeah. And so when he gets to the ER, the docs say that, quote, the, they noted the level of surgical skill required to excise a man's testicles without severing the testicular artery. So your question about how messy this was, clearly a mm-hmm. surgeon or somebody medically trained is doing this because they're very careful not to hit the arteries that will start causing the person to possibly bleed out and die. Right. So they're right. just like, you know, harvesting, bloop, bloop, and making their way. And so... <laughs> Johnson, he (laughs) suffers his ball heist in the summer in Chicago in 1922. Our man Wasniak happened in October because so this his has happened first and he'd waited months to come forward to the cops because he was so embarrassed. Oh, he didn't yeah. want to admit it, what had happened. I mean, you got to admit, you know, you're, you want to go to the cops who are dealing with Al Capone and being like, hey, guys, I got my ball stolen. I doubt those guys <laughs> are going to be the most sympathetic to you. <laughs> right. But rather than you having to imagine all this, Elizabeth, I'd like you to close okay. your eyes and picture it. I was like, it. you're going to actually live it. No. <laughs> yeah, you okay, are. Yeah. <laughs> I will close my eyes and imagine it. We're going to step inside a police precinct in Chicago. The office is busy. Two days ago, a victim of testicle theft came forward. It's been the talk of your precinct ever since. Everybody has been mentioning and chuckling about it. For them, the only way to make sense of this is gallows humor. You've been involved. You've made a couple jokes of your own. Elizabeth, you're a Chicago detective. You've seen it all. You've busted them all. But you have no idea about what to do with this. So you stroke your thick, resplendent mustache. You rub your paunch and you go, we got to do something for these boys. Now you have a taste. I readjust my six balls. <laughs> you have a taste for case meats from street corners. So you step outside, get yourself a hot dog, and you think about how you can save these boys nuts. Now, you, uh, you're imagining like if someone tried to steal your nuts, you'd fight them off. But these boys, they're getting gassed. So what can they even do? So Detective Dutton, how are you going to catch these ball burglars? Well, you get yourself on down to the hospital to talk to the most recent victim. When you get to the hospital, the ER docs, they tell you what they found. They tell you it looks like the handiwork of a surgeon. A doctor must be in on these ball heists. Now you have a good lead. At the hospital bed, the latest victim, he tells you his name is Charles Ream. He says he was snatched off the street by two men in a large touring car. He was chloroformed, taken to a deserted prairie near 92nd Street where the operation was then performed. You're writing all this on in your notebook. Oh, yeah. Your captain, Captain Coughlin, he arrives at the doorway. He calls you over for a quick chat. You put away your notebook and walk over to your captain. He's got a tip for you. This is a hot one, he says. It's about who stole that young man's balls. Now, Captain Coughlin says that the chief of D's, the chief of detectives, that is, he received a tip. <laughs> the chief of D yeah. says there's a, or, an elderly millionaire who just happened to be in town for a testicular rejuvenation operation the day after Reem was attacked and his balls swiped. So now you got a connection, you got motive, you take your notebook out, and you take more notes from Captain Coughlin as he lays the facts on you. Now, this millionaire, he's a candy maker from St. Louis. His name is Henry Bow Richter. 
Now he paid a hundred <laughs> grand in advance, and that was a down payment to ensure the procurement of the necessary gonads. Now you tell your captain you'll go oh. run this all past Doctor Les Pants because if you know you're gonna you he to you is still the chief suspect. Now yeah. at his fancy luxury hotel, you cross the grand lobby because first you want to go speak to this St. Louis candy maker before you talk to Doctor VD. And at the grand lobby, you're walking across, people are looking at you, wondering why a Chicago detective is searching. But you just take the elevator up, don't talk to anybody, at the door to his suite, knock, 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 you wait a minute, door opens, patient is up and around. He looks good for someone who just had testicles inserted into his nutsack. You is tell he like him as scissor much. scissor kicking in the air? <laughs> high kicks, high kicks. And he's like 98. Yeah, like Sir David Lee Roth. The, uh, <laughs> he's a rich, older, white-haired man. He confirms that he is indeed the candy baron from St. Louis that you're looking for, Henry Baurichter. Now, I told you he is a white-haired old man. He's 48 years old. You tell oh. him he looks far older. You're like, sir, I would have guessed you to be a more senior man. <laughs> now, he tells you that uh, he would never go to some slick black market doctor to get extra testicles. And you're like, well, so you know Dr. LaPance. And he was like, yes. Now, who recommended you to the doctor? And, you, and he tells you, oh, I was, my doctor at St. Louis recommended me. He told me, candy maker, you need to get some more nuts in your sack. I know the person for you. Now, Barrichter tells you he got his transplant on Thursday, which you note happens to be the day after Charles Ream was chloroformed and attacked. So, Richter insists he does not have Reem's nuts in his sack. And you're like, well, how did you know that? Well, he says his doc back in St. Louis recommended he get the testicle transplant. He come to Chicago to do it. And Richter insists that the nuts were not stolen. He knew, and if they were, he knows nothing about it. He said, and what, I... What, does he have like a certificate of provenance for them? Like, <laughs> he how does, does this... not. He just says, <laughs> okay. take his word for it as a candy maker from St. Louis. <laughs> as a rich guy. He says, and I quote, where the gland to be transfused was to come from, I do not know. I went back to the hospital Tuesday morning, rested until Wednesday afternoon. The operation was performed and successful according to my physician. So that's all he'll tell you. So you ask, well, how much did it cost? He tells you, I paid $400. You're like, you've heard $100,000 and he's saying $400. Now, mind you, that's about seven grand today. Your captain said hundred grand. You know something is hinky. So you're like, I think I need to go talk to this Dr. VD LaPance. Yes. (laughs) Bring me LaPance. After this uh, little break, Elizabeth, I will take you to Dr. VD LaPance and we will sort out this testicular thievery. Yes, we will. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible Uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Elizabeth. Detective Dutton. Yes, sir. You did such a damn good job. I'm just going to stick with you for a second while you go over and talk to Dr. LaPance. I'm really good at this. Yeah. I've solved it. Imagine a man like Vincent Price from like some 1950s like horror movie, but it can mm-hmm. a sleek Chicago skyscraper. That'll be our Dr. VD. Ooh. Yeah, you ready? Okay, ready. so this dude's full of himself. He's he's very successful in his outward experience and, and clothing shows this. And he, when you go and meet him at his at his home, he is so full of himself, he immediately dismisses your questions. And he tells you that, Ugh, I have no need to buy stolen testicles, please. And you're like, well, doc, well, then where do you get your, your stolen, your, your, sorry, the nuts that you transplant? And, you know, the Chicago press had already gotten to Dr. VD and asked him some questions. So you knew about these questions. And when they had asked him, they had flocked him and they crowded around him and they'd been going off. And he, Dr. VD, told the press this, and you've read this in the newspapers, and I quote, It's foolish for the police to entertain suspicion that a reputable surgeon would resort to theft in order to obtain glands for transplantations. In the first place, that is unnecessary. Four of five men a day present themselves at the doors of this hospital willing to sell their glands for really small amounts of money, sometimes four or five dollars. An advertisement (laughs) in the newspaper would bring a horde of them. So this, this guy's claiming that he's getting nuts for four or five bucks a pop, and he doesn't need to worry about any. <laughs> and so like, there are all these men who are like, huh, gripping yeah. five dollars and just like four or five men a day going, was... "I'll take the five bucks, doc. Get the knife now. Get out of here." I find that know. hard to believe as a man, as somebody who has imaginary nuts. What do you think? 
I have I also find that hard to believe. There's just no way. There's no way. So the Charles Ream testicle investigation does not go well because the Chicago PD, the Chicago vigilante doctors, none of the people who have thrown themselves at this case are able to get anybody to have any concrete evidence that they have stolen nuts. They cannot prove a connection between the thieves and the doctor. They cannot prove a connection between the doctor and the transplanted nuts. And they can't prove a connection between the transplanted nuts and the stolen ones. Everyone's right. up in a, like basically a state of confusion and nutlessness. Now, <laughs> Detective Duckton, as you worked this case, what were your suspicions about Dr. VD? Do you think he's our man? I think, yes. <laughs> I'm sold. You're 100% sold? He's creepy. He's creepy. He's trying to convince me that guys are lining up to sell off their testicles for mm-hmm. pennies on the dollar. <laughs> well, I don't know. Apparently there is... Arrest him. It, 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 I don't know if it's him or not because there is a wave that continues of people having their nuts stolen and the the um, the particulars of those cases start to get further and further for him. For instance, there is a 19-year-old named Anthony Tonsi. He tells police that three men in white lab coats accosted him, which is pretty much what we've heard in all the other stories. The three men in lab coats tell the 19-year-old, quote, we need your glands. And then they attack him. But this dude, big strapping man that he is, he fights back and he beats the three men off of him. And the strapping young man is able to scare off the three men from his nutsack and keep his family jewels. But sadly, being one of the only few lucky ones, there are all these other victims of the ball-snatching wave that continues, and so we hear about more and more. So by 1923 in January, down in Springfield, Illinois, in the Illinois legislature, they put forth a bill to make it illegal to steal nuts and to transplant them. (laughs) But there's already laws on the case about battery and theft, so it's not like we need a ball-specific law. I think the guy who said he fought him off is lying. (laughs) You think so? Interesting. Honestly, like, you know, anytime these kind of things happen, you get people who are a little imbalanced and they'll come forward and it makes him sound like I He's was so guy. virile. That's a good one. I'm this big tough guy. And they're like, what? Three men in a la- in lab coats are like, we want your <laughs> we glands. We need your glands. No, that's not how they're going to walk up and be like, all right, this is how it's going to go down. Give I'm going to cut glands. your nuts. It's going to hurt a lot. Okay. No, they just are like putting the Here, you know, this. rag over the their rag face here. from exactly. behind and then, uh, you know, down you go. They're not like, so I'm suspicious of him. Let's arrest him. (laughs) And see where it goes. Just follow that. Just, you know, let him cool off for a bit. Well, Detective Dutton, your uh, colleagues at the Chicago PD, they stay on the Charles Ream case because they think that's a a good lead. And they also are still trying to break the Joe Wozniak case, having no luck there. And they have all the other young men reporting white lab-coated men or have been attacking them. They've got the uh, University of Chicago kids are constantly saying, I was attacked, I was attacked, right? Well, finally, one year after his initial attack, cops arrest somebody in the Charles Ream case. They arrest his cousin, Earl English, who was a student at the University of Chicago. He becomes the primary suspect uh, who is believed to be the one behind the ball theft. He gets charged with criminal mayhem. But the cop's case is weak, and the charges are eventually dropped. The cousin let go. Probably had a weird Thanksgiving that year at their house. I would imagine. (laughs) A year later, Charles Reams is still out there trying to get justice for his nutlessness. And he goes and he finds his way into the pages of history as a footnote in the trial of the century. 
In the June 3rd, 1924 edition of the LA Times, Charles Reams shows up as a sideshow in the trial of the century because in this trial, I'm not sure if you, if you because there's a couple trials of the century. I was going to say. This trial of the century involves two college students from Chicago, both wealthy, brilliant young men, and they were named Leopold and Loeb. Right. And they had killed right. somebody. So the LA Times recounted at the time, and I quote, Charles Ream, 22 years of age of 5217 Dorchester Avenue, a taxi cab driver, positively identified Loeb as one of the two men who last fall kidnapped him at 54th Street and Dorchester Avenue, forced him into their automobile and drove him to a prairie at 109th Street and Avenue G, where they performed a gland operation on him. He said that the other kidnapper looked like pictures of Leopold. So he He's claims saying that, that Leopold, Leopold and Loeb yes. took his danglers? Yes, exactly. Get out. <laughs> so according to contemporaneous accounts, Reem shows up in court and he shouts, that's him. And he's like pointing at them and people are like, who's him? And Reem shouts back, <laughs> that's the man who took my nuts. And people are like, for real, you're nuts, bro? And he's like, yeah, man, him. He's the, and and then, then he drops trout. And then this is the like, actual ah! quote. He's like, he's the right size. He wore the same cut of clothes and he has the same eyes. So he's, oh. he identified him mm. by the eyes. Unfortunately, <laughs> the court didn't agree with Reem. They, they told him, bro, you got to get out of here. We're trying these dudes on murder. Leopold and Loeb, the trial carries on. But then they eventually are brought forward in a civil case by Reem. And he wants $100,000 for his stolen nuts. And the Glan Pirates are put on trial. And Leopold and Loeb are found innocent of that. So, boom. Yeah. So of all the multiple young men who had their balls stolen, Reem, Harry Johnson, Wozniak... There are also many others who are the unfortunate who we did not get to their names. Uh, out of all of these men, not a single man gets justice for his stolen balls. No one ever really? gets arrested. No charges are ever filed. The only thing oh. that happened is that modern medicine just moves on. New therapies yeah. are found and developed. Patients with ball transplants, they do not become avatars of vigor and manliness. So people stopped wanting to get ball transplants. And eventually the idea of testicular transplants did lead scientists to invent synthetic testosterone. In 1935, Adolf Butendant was able to cre uh, create a fake testosterone from cholesterol. And in 1939, oh. he was awarded the Nobel Prize. Because I told you, science loves balls. They're like, you made what? <laughs> Nobel Prize, <Hooray>! bro! <laughs> so the crime wave at the heart of today's tale never gets solved. But modern medicine moves on because they get fake testosterone and they're like that's good enough ball juice for us and now <laughs> the great testicle thieves of chicago they just they come and then they sort of fall away and left to history now elizabeth i think it's much like disco people were doing it and then suddenly for reasons we don't fully understand suddenly no one's doing it which is also just kind of very human you know but unlike but with disco and those super tight disco slacks in the case of the ball sacks of the young men of chicago they were now safe but, you know, there's always like a disco resurgence. Yes. Good point. Peter Thiel's you know? looking into that. Yeah. <laughs> so I bet you, I bet you that, you know, people, the, rich, the rich people who can do that kind of stuff are freaky. Well, yeah. And there has been like, you know, a continued obsession with glands. There used to be a thing, mm -hmm. of, yeah, about adrenal glands. People would take those right. out and chew on them. They would harvest them from dead people. Then there obviously is the pineal gland, everyone, you know, the seat of the soul. But uh, the gonads, the testicles as a gland have really kind of fallen off. And now it's just left to like, oh, we can give you a pill for that. So no one's well, out there, it, you know, maybe chewing it's on candy nuts anymore. Back. I think you, you may be ahead of the curve. <laughs> You heard it here first, folks. You know, when they start seeing it, like on Instagram, uh -huh. of, you know. <laughs> Go on. Ball I want to see where you're going with this. <laughs> I, I stopped myself. I knew. I stopped myself. Well, Elizabeth, 
while we're here, what's your, what's your ridiculous takeaway from the, all this ballessness? Uh, you know what? It was pretty interesting walking around, sitting here in the studio, pretending to have balls for an hour. So, did um, it make you more sensitive to the plight of men? No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, my ridiculous takeaway, once again, thank you for asking, Elizabeth, is... I didn't. I did not ask. You are an excellent detective, but... Uh, I know I am. I worry about you as a philosopher. <laughs> that's pretty... That's on... That's... Fair? That's spot on. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed this one because it was fun to tell you all about your testicles and you. <laughs> thank you. Well, you can find us online at Ridiculous Crime on both Twitter and Instagram. Twitter's for the discourse. Instagram, that's where we put the stories. You can get the pictures of each of these wonderful people we talk about and all of these crimes. And uh, Twitter, that's where you can reach out and uh, tweet at us. Also, we got sneak peeks at both. Email us if you want at RidiculousCrime at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zarin Burnett. Produced and edited by Dr. Frankenstein's Monsters DJ, Dave Kustin. Research is by Marissa, leave me out of this one, Brown, and Andrea, what she said, song sharpened here. Our theme song is by the good doctors, Thomas Majestic Lee, and our resident hernia specialist, Travis. All my surgery scars are cute as a Dutton. Executive producers are Ben, how much for the monkey nuts, Bolin, and Noel, y'all have any moose balls? Brown. Ridiculous Crime. Say it one more time. Ridiculous Crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us was trying to brand us. We were going to become the McDonald's of kid treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.